Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, if, if this message doesn't meet your expectations this week, come this next Sunday because Pastor Bobby plans to come back. And you already know, you know, my, my dad, PB, he brings the heat. He always brings an uplifting, incredible word. And, and you do not want to miss it. And then also, it's going to be tied into the series because Pastor Bobby, uh, he's going to be casting vision as we go into 2020. The scripture says that without a vision, the people will perish. And we believe in casting a clear vision as we go into this next year because 2019 was great, but 2020 is just going to get better for this church. We're believing for more salvations, miracles, signs, and wonders, and baptism, and as God blessed us with property and everything that's going on. And in preparation for 2020 and everything that God is doing, we are going to have a special time of giving the last Sunday. And I'm telling you this right now, so if you want to mark this down, take a mental note of this, do whatever you got to do. On January 26th, which happens to fall on my 22nd birthday, holler at your boy. January 26th, we are going to have, on that Sunday, the last Sunday of January, we're going to have a special time where we get to bring an offering to God, a first fruits offering that goes above and beyond our normal giving. Some of y'all may be saying, Caleb, why are we doing that? What, what, what's, what's first fruits all about? And I want to kind of give you guys an introduction. Before I get into scripture, I have like a little bit of an introduction before we get into the introduction. So uh, just, I'm going to take my time a little bit this morning. I want to encourage you guys to take notes. If you don't normally take notes, feel free to take notes on your phone and your notebook. I believe that note takers are history makers, uh, that uh, short pencil is better than a long mind, and it'll help you guys out. Uh, but we're having a first fruits offering that's going to help expand the vision and mission here at Covenant Life Center when it comes to the building initiative. Um, and, and we're calling in this our first fruits series. Can I hear somebody say first fruits? So some of you guys may not be aware or may not know what exactly that means. But I want to give you guys a little bit of background on what first fruits is. Uh, the Bible references first fruits, first things, or devoted things about 32 times. And the first mention of the term first fruits in scripture is in the book of Exodus, whenever God commands the nation of Israel to bring the first of their crop to God, to bring a sacrificial offering of the first of their harvest to God, so that way God could bless the rest of their harvest for the whole year. They were bringing their first fruits, their literal first fruits to God. And then in the New Testament, we find that first fruits is mentioned again and again, but this time... It's not talking about a crop or fruit or a harvest, but it's talking about what God has blessed and entrusted us with. So it's really important to understand as we talk about first fruits during this series, we're not talking about produce that you get at the grocery store or anything like that or to all the farmers in here. We're talking about what God has blessed us with, any wealth, any income, any finance, any blessings that God has blessed us with throughout the whole year. We're talking about the first sacrificial offering of that. And we believe that as we bring our first offering to God, that God will bless the rest of the year. And we notice a lot of churches that do this, they do a one-time gift, a one-time offering throughout the year, whether it's at the beginning of the year or it's at the end of the year. We felt led to start it at the beginning of this year. And not only will you see expansion when it comes to the vision and mission uh, of Covenant Life Center, everything that God is doing, but we believe that God will bless the rest of it. And I do want to put this, this in here real quick. I do believe that we don't have to give, but we get to give. Giving is not an obligation. Giving is an opportunity. And giving is a decision that we make between ourselves and God. We're called to give God not just our finances, our treasure, but our, our time and our talent. 
and, and all those different things. I believe in that. But whenever we give, it says in scripture, don't give grudgingly, don't give out of compulsion, don't give forcefully, but give with a cheerful heart. Give with a cheerful heart. So first fruits is different than our regular giving. This is a moment for us to go above and beyond our normal giving. And then you're gonna have an opportunity and time to pray about whatever seed God has laid on your heart. But I have some good news for you this morning. This is what first fruits means. Before we get into scripture, I just really wanted to lay a foundation. Uh, first fruits in Hebrew, in the, the origin of the word, actually means bickerum. And what that's translated to is promise to come. So first fruits means promise to come. So what that means is there is a promise, there is a blessing attached to us bringing our first fruits to God. And for those that don't know already, how many people know that we serve a God that is faithful to his word? We serve a God that keeps his promises. Our God, our God does not lie. He doesn't manipulate. He doesn't cheat. But if God said it, guess what? You know he's going to come through. And whenever we bring our first fruits to God on the 26th, we got to have that in our hearts that, God, you've promised me. You've promised me life. You've promised me blessing. See, Jesus didn't just come to give us life. He came to give us life more abundantly. And freely we have received, so freely we shall give. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. I know that you work hard. I know that God's blessed you where you're at in your career and your job in your business, but let's make sure that we don't ever put the gift before the giver, that we don't ever put the resource before we put before the source, that our God is faithful to the end. Can I hear an amen from somebody? So we believe that first fruits is a biblical principle that the church of Jesus Christ of the 21st century should still practice today. And not only will we see expansion in our church and in these walls and beyond these walls, but we will also see God begin to bless the rest of this year. Anybody ready for the word this morning? Does that make sense to you guys? I want to make sure you, that you guys are catching this. This is important. This is good stuff. So if you guys can stand to your feet this morning, we're going to go ahead and get into Scripture. If you got your Bible, you got your iPhone, you got your iPad, or you can look at the screen with your eyelids. We're going to be taking a look at Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, and we like to honor God's word by standing. Genesis chapter 4, verse 2. And... Um, Whenever me and Pastor were talking about how we were going to open up this series, um, we were looking at Scripture and seeing where God, where people put God first. And the story of Cain and Abel came to our minds. We really wanted to start off with this because it carries a very significant principle of why God must be first. And I've learned this. God is not a respecter of persons. And what I mean by that is this. God loves each and every single one of us the same way. God is no respecter of persons. God, God loves each and every single one of us. He doesn't love me more than he loves you. He died on the cross for everybody, for the whole world to be saved. But God is a respecter of principles. He is a respecter of principles. And I, I want to give you guys some principles. I want to help you guys out this morning. I believe that it will change your life. You guys ready? All right, let's read it real quick. Got a little bit of scripture. It says this in Genesis chapter 4, verse 2 through 6. I'm reading out of the NIV. It says, Now Abel kept flocks. And Cain worked the soil. And for those that are not familiar with this, with this passage of Scripture, most people are, but we'll explain it more here in a bit. Now it says, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. 
So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Uh, downcast. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Somebody say rule over it. I'm going to tell you right now, we serve a God that is so faithful, and sometimes he's waving his hands. He's saying, hey, don't go that direction. Don't do this. Don't do that. And he's trying to give us clear signals and signs. That's what he's doing right here in this scripture. But how many people know sometimes we let the feelings get the best of us? And if we don't control our emotions, our emotions will control us. And that's what happened to Cain because it says that now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hands. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And we're almost done. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. I feel the presence of God already this morning, guys. I hope this speaks to you. The, the first part of this series, the first message, the first uh, sermon title for this series, you can write this down if you want, take note of it, is when the fruit isn't first. When the fruit isn't first. Turn to the person next to you and say, when the fruit isn't first. And then after you've done that, you can go ahead and be seated. Thank you for standing in honor and reading of God's word. Now, I'm not too sure how you handle shopping for Christmas or when it comes to shopping for gifts. I uh, hope you guys had an awesome Christmas, by the way. Um, but this year, I was able to get each one of my family members a little something for Christmas. And uh, one of the challenges that I've had is finding out, you know, what they wanted for Christmas, right? Because the first role when it comes to buying gifts for someone is you want to be sure that you get them something that they desire or they're interested in. Have you ever had a situation where you ask someone what they want for Christmas or their birthday, and they said, I don't know, I don't care, I'll take anything? And you're like, you need to tell me something. So you have to like go around, ask their friends, ask their family, because you don't want to buy them something that they're not going to use, right? So this year, whenever I did uh, Christmas shopping, um, I ordered a majority of my stuff online. Do we have any online shoppers in here this morning? Amazon, you know what I'm talking about? I, I really like Amazon. Um, and for those that do not know, for the people that are like me that cannot wrap Christmas presents really well, or any present very well. I usually get the bags or something, right, and just put all the tissue paper in there and stuff. Uh, Amazon offers a service. We are not sponsored by Amazon, but maybe one day if you hear me out there. Um, but they offer a service where they actually wrap your gifts for you. So you can actually order the, your gifts and presents, and they come in already wrapped, and all you got to do is take it out of the package and put it underneath the tree. So all my, pa all my gifts look the same, and you can tell it was mine. It's like, who, who, who wrapped this? Or, but anyway, so... I wasn't the only one that ordered stuff off of uh, Amazon this year. My sisters did. Uh, my mom did when it came to Christmas time, when it came to Christmas shopping. So we had different packages coming. Now, here's the problem. Here's the issue with different packages and online shopping. We have all these different packages coming in, right? 
And not only that, but every once in a while, we have to order some church supplies. So we order some church supplies that come in, whether it's prints, whether it's mints, other church supplies. I, I ordered um, some tape because the worst team said they needed some tape from Amazon. So we ordered some tape to put around the drumsticks to make them last longer. So th- this package came in. And what ended up happening was when the package was supposed to come in during Christmas week, uh, I said it was delivered and everything, and I couldn't find it anywhere. I was like, where in the world did this package go? I would later find out that on Christmas morning, as my dad was opening up gifts, that my mom took the package, not looking inside, thinking that it was one of his gifts. And it was funny because Christmas Day came. And he was opening up one gift, and I was like, I kind of knew what we got him already. And that package came out. Like, it was in the back of the tree, and it came out, and it got on his side. I was like, what package is that? And he started opening up, and guys, all the tape, all these different colors tape for the drumstick started coming out. And I said, Mom, that's where the, dr- that's where the drumstick tape went to? We lost it. It was hilarious. Like, our family's the type. Like, it, our lives can be contagious to one another, so we'll take something that isn't too funny, maybe to some people. But if my dad starts laughing, we just lose it. But check out this video real quick so you know I'm not lying. Check it out. Look at That's funny, right? I thought, I thought it was hilarious. I don't care if you don't think it's funny. Made my Christmas morning, so now... Luke and the drummers are using that tape right now. That's where it went, okay? <laughs> but the point that I'm trying to make is this. The reason I show that story, I tell that story, and the reason I share that video is this. I'm trying to make a point. Um, you know, even though it was on accident, we brought something to my dad, or we gifted something, or should I say my mom gifted something to my dad that he didn't ask for, he didn't desire, or anything. It was funny because my dad got the gift, and you know, I love my dad because he showed appreciation. For a second, he was like, clueless tape. So, oh, thank you guys so much. But I knew deep down, it's like, you know what I mean? I knew deep down, it's like, he is not this appreciated, like, about this tape right here. So we took that, and the reason now, but we, we got my dad something that he didn't desire or he, something that he wasn't interested in. And, and, guys, could it be possible, could it be possible that we can bring a gift, that we can bring something to God, with that, with, by, and also miss the mark by not knowing what he truly desires. Could it be possible that God has a preference when it comes to what we bring to him? Could it be possible that God has a preference when it comes to what we bring to him? And I'm not saying that God doesn't appreciate or notice what you bring to him this morning, whether it's big or small. See, this is what I've learned. Man looks at the outside, but God looks on the inside. He looks at the heart. And other, in, in the New Testament, other than Jesus Christ dying on the cross, one of the greatest offerings you'll find was whenever Jesus was, was with his disciples in a service, and a little widow came up, and she put two mites, she put two coins in the offering, and Jesus turned to his disciples, and he pointed her out, and he said, you see that woman right there? She gave more than everybody else here, because she gave the best, and she gave everything that she had. So man looks at the outside, but, but God looks on the inside. So God takes notice, but I do believe that there is a type of giving that whenever we bring something to God, God can't help but notice it, notice it and recognize it and pour out his favor on it. And we see that in this story with Cain and Abel. We see it very clearly in this story. I want to read this out to you guys real quick. It says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 4 through 5, it says on the latter part of it down there at the bottom, it says that the Lord looks with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So with one, he looked with favor, 
but the other, he didn't look with favor. So I want you to notice this real quick, a little thing. It doesn't say that God didn't notice it or God didn't see it. It just said that whenever God looked at it, he didn't look at it with favor. So he noticed the offering that Cain brought, but he didn't favor it. So he found Cain's offering, but he favored Abel's offering. He detected Cain's offering, but he distinguished Abel's offering. He had seen Cain's offering, but he had selected Abel's offering. Why was that? Why would God choose Abel's offering over Cain's offering? Well, real quick, you know, we know that they had two different professions. One, you know, and these were the sons of Adam and Eve. They were brothers. One was a tiller of the field. He was a farmer, and that was Cain. And Abel, he was a keeper of the flock. You can call him a shepherd, whatever you want to call him. So one gave an animal that was Abel, and the other brought fruit to God. So what was the difference? Yes, you know, Abel's sacrifice did involve some blood as well, but that wasn't the only dictating or determining factor when it came to why God favored Abel's offering over Cain's offering. Here's what the determining factor was. And you can look into this more and more if you wish. I've seen different scholars and theologians point this out as well. Here's what the determining factor was. Abel brought his first and he brought his best. The determining factor was the timing and the quality. And Cain did. Now I want you to I want to show you guys this in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 through 4, because it's really important when it comes to putting God first. It says, In the course of time, somebody say time. Cain brought some, somebody say some, of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn, somebody say firstborn, of his flock. So I don't know if you've noticed this or if you noticed this, but the Bible's very clear and it emphasizes how Abel didn't just bring some offering, but he brought the firstborn of his offering. Here's the difference between Abel's offering and Cain's offering. Abel gave God the first and the best, but Cain didn't. Abel brought God the first and the best, but Cain didn't. And God should always be first in our lives. God should always be first. This making sense to you guys this morning? And that's my first point. It may seem simple to some, but sometimes we forget it really easy. And that's my first point, that God must always be first. God, the, the most powerful thing that you can do right now in 2020, other than lose weight, other than set goals and set deadlines and do these different things, is, is make sure that you make it a priority, number one on your list, that God is always first, that Jesus is always first in your life. Can I hear an amen from somebody? See, God didn't, uh, Cain didn't give God the first of his fruits, but Abel brought God the first and best of what he had. And get this, you know, Abel, it says that he brought the firstborn. So I can imagine Abel, when it came, whenever it came time, whenever the, the, the flock was, was giving birth and, you know, animals were coming to be, that he, he got the firstborn that, was, that came out. And he got that to the side and he said, you know what, this right here, this belongs to God. I can't wait to offer this to God. I can't wait to give this to God. But, but Cain, it says that he just gave some. So I can imagine Cain, whenever it came time for harvest, you know, he took aside maybe the best or the first part of the first, the first fruits, and he put that to the side maybe for him and his family to benefit from it. So, so Cain didn't take it as seriously as Abel. 
so he, and Cain didn't put, he put other things before, before God. And if we're being honest, if I'm being honest, you know, I can be guilty of this too, of putting other things before God. I know that we've all done that before. We can put other things before God so easy. Isn't it so easy sometimes to put God on the back burner? Like he's just a backseat driver as we go through life and do our thing a lot of times. He's not first, he's not leading us. We just tell Jesus, hey, you know, just, you know, get on in, follow me. Whenever God's looking at us and he's saying, hey, you need to follow me. You know, it can be as simple as whenever we wake up in the morning, we wake up in the morning, you know the first thing we do most of the time? We check our phones. We check our phones, we check our social media. You know, some of us, we, we go to the gym, we, we go work out, we come back home, we get ready, we make some food, uh, and then we go to work without ever giving God a thought, without ever allowing God to cross our mind, or as soon as we get paid sometimes, I'm not trying to give anybody a guilt trip, I'm just saying this is, this is something I've noticed in my life. You know, sometimes we get paid sometimes, and we think about all the bills, we think about all the expenses, we, we got to think, okay, I got I to gotta take care of this, I got to take care of that, I got to pay the mortgage, I've got to pay the insurance, I, I got to pay for the car, I, I got to take care of all these things, entertainment, you know, clothes, food, all these different things at Disney Plus, uh, Netflix, and then maybe after all of that, if I have something left over, I'll give God some of my leftovers. But God's not looking for leftovers. He wants to be first. And that can even happen with our time. And I know this is maybe simple for some of you guys, but I want to com come across really clear. And the point of this message is that God should always be first. Or even when it comes to our, our time with our family, our, our time with our loved ones, we go on dates, we hang out with them. And that's great and all, guys. I think that's great. I think that's important. But sometimes we can get so caught up in all of this and get so caught up with life that we never set time, aside, set time aside to spend time with our creator and our savior, to spend time with Jesus. And that's the most important meeting of the day. But Abel grabbed a hold of a principle that was so important, and that's that God deserves our first and God deserves our best. So think about this. What if this year in 2020, whenever you woke up in the morning, you didn't just check your phone, that you didn't just check social media, but as soon as you woke up in the morning, you just said under your breath, thank you, Jesus, for another day. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me life. Thank you, Jesus, that your mercies are new every single morning. I know a person here at this church, they, they have a journal, and every morning that they wake up, they write things in the journal. And they begin to talk to God in their journal and what they're believing for. And they write down, my day is blessed. God, this happened yesterday, you know, and, and different things. But I'm believing for this today, God. I know that you're faithful. I know that you're good. I'm telling you, simple things like that can change the rest of your day. Or even whenever you get paid. And this is, per, you know, like whenever you get paid, instead of, you know, paying every other bill first, what if we made it an effort, made it to point that we were going to give God the first portion of our finances before we pay for food, before we pay for clothes, before we pay for anything else? I mean, I didn't expect a lot, a lot of hand claps for that, but that's so important. Or even when it came to our timing with people, before we set any major appointments or we had any other meetings, that we made it a point in our minds that we're going to spend time with God, that we were going to get in his presence, that we were going to pray, that we were just going to seek the face of God. Can I hear an amen? amen? What if we decided corporately to start these next 21 days praying and fasting and seeking the face of God? What if we came to God and we gave him the first fruits of our income, the first fruits of our offering. Here's the difference. Abel put God first and Cain didn't. This making sense to you guys? See, God noticed this with Cain and Abel, and he had a clear preference between the two offerings. And you will see this pattern repeat in scripture with God always requiring or asking 
are preferring the, the, the first and the best. You'll see this in the Garden of Eden. God asked Adam and Eve, they only had one job, y'all, not to eat of a certain tree in the garden. They don't, don't eat of the fruit of that tree because God wanted to see if, that, if they were going to put him first. Or even in Jericho, whenever Joshua and the nation of Israel went into the promised land, it says that God said, hey, don't touch any of the spoils. Don't take any of the possessions of this first city of Jericho. Don't, don't take any of that. That belongs to me. That belongs to me. But Achan, he took it for him and his family, and that brought a curse upon the nation of Israel. Or even when it came to Isaac, Abraham and Sarah's son, God promised Abraham that he was going to be a father of many nations, that he was going to have a multitude of, of children. But then he had his first kid with Sarah, Isaac, and then God asked him, hey, lay him down at the altar. Bring him to me, his firstborn, or even Jesus Christ. Think about this. Jesus Christ, the firstborn of many brethren, and the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, full of truth. He wasn't just an average, ordinary person. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a good teacher, but he was the son of the living God, 100% man and 100% God, and he was the lamb slaughtered on the foundations of the earth. And because Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago, guess what? We have life. We have freedom. We have liberty. We have a future. We have a purpose. Guess what? Jesus paid it all on the cross 2,000 years ago. But the reason that it was enough is because Jesus was first and Jesus was the best. Jesus was the first, and Jesus was the best. Amen? And once again, once again, God noticed the offering Cain gave. He noticed it. He saw it. Just like God sees us whenever we give. Just like God sees us whenever we serve. Just like God sees us whenever we pray. Even when you came to church this morning. God sees us. But I don't know about you. I don't want God just to notice me. I don't want God just to notice me. I want God to anoint me. And the way that God will begin to anoint us is whenever we bring God our first and we bring God our best. So I don't want God just to find what I give. I want God to pour out favor on what I give. And this is different for each and every single one of us because we may not be able to give equal amounts of time, of talent, or treasure, but we can give with equal sacrifice. Amen? And the church of Jesus Christ is not built off of the gifts and talents of a few, but the, 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 the church of Jesus Christ is built off of the sacrifices of many. I don't care if you work at a fast food restaurant, if you have your own business, or wherever you work, or whatever's going on, if you're a college student, we all have something that we can bring to God. And I don't want to just bring some of what I have. I want to bring all that I have. I want to bring the first. I want to bring the best. And that's what we're doing with this fast and this first fruits offering. We want to bring God our best. So what does God desire? What does God desire? To be honest, church, some people miss it because they think that God wants their money. But God doesn't want your money. In fact, God doesn't need your money. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You know what he wants? He wants your heart. God wants your heart. I love what Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says. It says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you can find out where someone's treasure is by this, guys by what they put first and where they give their best. If you want to know where your heart is, where do you go to first, where do you put your first, and where do you give your best? This applies to finances, this applies to relationships, and this applies to everything. This is making sense to you guys this morning. I pray it is. And I want you to notice that the moment, the moment things got out of sync for Cain was whenever he stopped putting God first. And he, he just lost control. He lost it. He had a wrong attitude. He may have had a wrong attitude at the beginning given an offering. 
You got to understand this with God, that we don't give to get, we get to give. Whenever we give to God, we shouldn't expect, oh, can't wait to give to God because I'm going to receive this, I'm going to receive that. I'm gonna... But God isn't a genie, y'all. God is not a genie. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. See, and we don't give for a blessing. We give from a blessing in everything that we do. No strings attached. And God tried to counsel Cain. He tried to tell him what was going on, but even then, Cain put his feelings before God, and ultimately, he killed his brother due to jealousy. I want to say this, too. Don't you ever become jealous of what other people have. Don't look across the aisle. Don't look at, at other people at work. Don't look at other people in your family and compare your harvest with their harvest and what they brought compared to what you brought and, and compare all these different things and say they have it better or whatever. Because guess what? You don't know what they had to sacrifice and what they had to do in order to get what they have. So stop comparing yourself to other people. That's the thief of joy. You can't do that. Guess what? You brought your best. Forget the rest. God sees that. God honors that. Elevation and promotion comes from God. See, when we don't put God first, everything falls out of order. But when we put God first, everything falls into order. Putting God first is key. And, and before we leave, before we go, um, I want to give you guys five areas, because this is a shorter message. I want to give you guys five areas that God must be first in. Five areas. If we want to tell, if we want to take a pulse right now and see if God is first in my life, if see if God is first in your life, I believe, if we, I believe that God should be first in these five areas. And I'm not going to spend long on each area, so be sure that you guys take note of this. Remember it. The first area that God should be first in is in our finances. God should always be first in our finances. One of the ways to tell where your heart's really at, and I'm trying to get all up in your business. This, is, this message is not only for you, but it's speaking to me too, guys. One of the ways to see if God is first in your life is to look at your bank account. Where do you spend your money? Where does it go to first? You know, personally for me, I get paid, I want to be very practical this morning, I get paid on the 1st and 15th of every month, so I've made it a point, I'm trying to build this habit more and more, that whenever I get paid, before I buy any food, before, before I pay for any bills, before I do anything else, I go on my phone, I pull up the online thing, whatever you got to do, write a check, whatever, and I make sure that I give God the first portion and the first fruit because I want God to know that he comes first before any other expense. And my tithes and my offering, my 10% and everything, Caleb, why do you tithe? Why do you do that? Because I would much rather trust God with 90% than trust myself with 100%. God's a way better financier than me. I'm telling you that right now. And I want to give God my first, and I want to give God my best. And I'm, I'm not trying to be legalistic this morning. I'm not trying to do any of that. All I'm trying to say is that God wants our hearts. And he deserves the best, and he deserves first place in our hearts. And God doesn't need our money. We need his blessing. God doesn't need our money. We need his blessing. I love what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your crops. The second area, like I said, and I can spend too long on each point, the second area that God must be first in, I'm gonna give you all five points. The, the second area is God should be first in our identity. Remember this right now, God should always be first when it comes to your identity. Before you associate or identify yourself with any event, situation, people, or thing, make sure that you identify yourself as a child of the Most High God. And don't you ever confuse 
what people say you are with who you actually are. That's what some people do. Some people get told, you're this, you're that, you're a failure, you're a mistake, but that's not who you are. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. You've been made in the image of God. Yes, we are not perfect, but we're made in God's image. See, the image of God inside of us has been defaced, but it hasn't been erased. And God is beginning to sanctify and renew us and make us into new creations. And the moment that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, guess what? Whenever the devil looks at you, he sees, he sees you and he calls you by your sin. But whenever God sees you, he sees your sin and he sees you as a son. So you can, find, you can find your identity in Jesus Christ. We make mistakes, but we are never a mistake. And I would much rather be a fool for Christ than be a tool for the devil. That's a good, powerful point right there. I'm going to say that one more time. I would much rather be a fool for Christ than a tool for the devil. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen people. Say, I am a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, and that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So before you find your value from any other thing or any other person or from your net worth or anything else, you remember that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Heaven went bankrupt to set you free, and you can tell the price and the value of something by the price that someone's willing to pay. And guess what? Jesus paid it all for you, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. God loves you so much. Can I hear an amen? amen. God should be first in our identity. Thirdly, and this is really important as well, God should be first in our relationships. God should be first in our relationships. You know what my dad's told me before and told my family before? He said, Caleb, you know, I love you guys, but I want y'all to know that before, before y'all, my relationship with God is priority. And here's why that is. My dad understands that whenever his vertical relationship with God prospers, his horizontal relationships with, with us and other people will prosper. And if you can minister well to God, you can minister well to other people. God is the most important relationship in your life, your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about religion. It's not about do's or don'ts. It's all about knowing Jesus Christ in a personal, intimate way. I don't want to just know about God. I want to know Jesus Christ. And we do that by setting time aside, by spending time with him, with getting to know him, by reading his word. Secondly, who you allow to influence you plays a major role in your life as well. Who you allow, and I'm talking to any youth, I'm talking to any adults. I'm talking to all the men, women. This is for everybody. You have to be sure that you're aware of who you allow to influence. You know, I've heard people say that you are the average of your five closest friends. They say, take your five closest friends, take the average. That's usually most of the time who you are. Their characteristics, their values, their traits, everything. Your inner circle. You know, the scripture says that bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. See, people are like elevators. People can either take you up or people can either take you down. And this year, you may have some people with you right now that you think that are your friends, but the moment that you begin to change things up and put God as a priority in your life, when it comes to your giving, when it comes to your time, when it comes to your talent, when it comes to your treasure, 
And some people may get upset. They may not understand it, but they don't have to understand it all. They don't have to understand why you're, you're giving God your first and your best. And some people may not understand it. They may criticize you. They may be haters, and they may walk out of your life. But I'm telling you right now, whenever God is first and other people walk out of your life, don't you fret or don't you fear. Because whenever your circle is decreasing in size, it's actually increasing in value. That's good stuff. Thirdly, or should I say fourthly, God should be first when it comes to our schedule. When it comes to our schedule, God must be first. You must make time for God every single day. You must make time for God. I just feel God's presence as I'm saying this. I just feel like God wants to tell somebody in here that you don't just meet with God on Sunday. It's great that you're here, but I'm telling you right now, you make sure that you meet God on Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that you spend some time with him and that he's first in your schedule. And this is what I've done, very practical. What I've decided to do, and I love it because we have prayer here in the morning, every single morning, Monday through Saturday at 6 a.m. These doors are open if you're able to come with your work schedule and different things from 6 a.m. to 7.30. Some people come for a couple minutes. They spend some time with God. But what I've decided to do, I've decided to put an event on my calendar on my schedule, I don't know if you're a calendar person or not, I'm a big calendar person, but I put it on my calendar, and I've decided to give God a portion of every single day, because I've realized, and, and guess what, if people call me and say, hey, can we meet at this time, can we do this, can we do that, can we go hang out, I said, I, I'm sorry, but I have a meeting scheduled, I don't, have to, I don't even have to tell them that I'm praying or anything like that, I say, I already have something scheduled, because this is what I've realized, that if you don't make time for God, you will never have time for God. If you don't make time for God, you won't ever have time for God. And some people say they're too busy, they have this, they have that. And you may be way busier than me, and that's great and all, but none of us are too busy. And busyness is just an excuse. I saw something a while back. I saw something about, a while back about busy being an acronym, how it stands for burden under Satan's yoke. And we can take our busyness a lot of times, and if the enemy can't get you with, with all these different things, he'll try to get you with, if he can't get you with going too slow, he'll get, get you by you going too fast. You're going too fast, you're busy, you're worked up, you got so many different things, and before you know it, you never spent time with God, so you're not at your best that God's called you to be, and it takes a toll on different things in your life. Make sure that you put God first in your schedule. Can I hear an amen? And I love this statement right here. A part-time Christian cannot defeat full-time devils. A part-time Christian cannot defeat full-time devils. And you're doing great already. I want to give yourself a hand clap real quick. Guess what? You're at church. You're at church. I want this to encourage you as well. I don't want to just feel like I'm coming at you with like all that's coming swinging at you. You're at church, and you're giving God the first fruit of your week. But not only that, you're at church during the first Sunday of the year in 2020. And I have enough faith to believe that by you making the decision to come to church, and guess what? If you came here by yourself and your family's not here, I'm praying and believing with you that your whole family will be with us this year. That mean, for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And if you're the only one in your family, if you're the only one in your friend group coming to church, don't you ever forget about the importance of coming to church and putting God first. The scripture says, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. Whenever you come to church, we have community. And you can be uplifted, and you can enter into the presence of God like that. Putting God first is everything, even in your schedule. Haley, you can come up. This making sense to you guys? Yeah. And lastly, 
God should be first when it comes to trouble. God should always be first when it comes to our trouble. I wish I can tell you right now that whenever you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and that you become a follower of Jesus, that that eliminates and takes away all the troubles, all the trials, all the tribulations, everything. I wish I can tell you that, but that's not the truth. In fact, God's word promises that we're going to have tribulations in life, but this is what God promises. God doesn't promise that there won't be troubles, but he does promise that he'll stand with us in the midst of trouble, that he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. And life is this. This is what life is. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to what's happening to you. Whether that's a financial crisis, whether that's a disease or illness, 10% what happens to you, 90% how you respond to what happens to you. There's drama, there's betrayal, there's just, there's just all these different things happening. The question is, where are you running to and what are you putting first? Are you putting a substance, alcohol, drugs, an addiction, or a toxic relationship before God when it comes to trouble? Where do you run to when it comes to trouble? I love what the disciples did on the Sea of Galilee whenever there was a raging storm taking place. Yes, they didn't have enough faith to stand against the storm, but it says that they went to Jesus in the bottom of the boat, and they ran to Jesus in the midst of their trouble. And it says that Jesus came out of the boat and he rebuked the winds, and he rebuked the wave, and guess what? Everything became calm, and it became still. Where are you running to in trouble? I love what Psalm chapter 46, verse 1, two, one through 2 says. It says, God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. Somebody say, in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help and trouble. So this year in 2020, I want to encourage you with this, because with this, you're going to face trouble, you're going to face trials, tribulation, things may come up, it may happen. But this year, instead of telling God how big your mountains are, you need to start telling your mountains how big your God is. That's what we choose to do this year. There's no trial, there's no tribulation, there's nothing right now. God will work all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Jesus will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. God is always with you. If God be for me, who can be against me? God's with you. And as we get ready to close, and for those that didn't notice it, we actually spelled out a word with each one of our points. We spelled out the word first. Finances and our identity and our relationships in our schedule, in our trouble, everything. This, is, this will help you remember it better. You need to take a picture of this. You need to write this down. And every day you wake up, put this on your, put it somewhere. Ask yourself, is God first in my life? And check it off. We're all in this continual pursuit of progression. And we'll never be perfect. We'll never be perfect. But I don't know about you, every day I wake up, I want to be more like Jesus Christ every single day. I want to be a follower of Christ. So first it's our Second, thirdly, fourthly, and last, trouble. See, this is what I want to say. This is the whole point of the message. God is not satisfied with being second, third, or fourth. Our God is a jealous God. 
We can't have any idols or lowercase g's before God. We got to have the capital G sitting on the throne of our hearts. He's not satisfied being second, third, fourth, fifth, last, or none of that. God only deserves first place. I love what Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says. It says, seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added unto you. See, we don't seek stuff and then the kingdom. We seek the kingdom of God. We do not worship principles or programs or rules or any of those things. We worship a person, and his name is Jesus. We don't worship anything else. We don't worship systems or schedules or routines. We worship our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came down from heaven, who took on flesh and bone, and he died on the cross so that way you could live. He traded life for death so that way you could trade death for life. He didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive, and he loves you. God is always with you. Can you stand to your feet this morning? I have a faith confession. I have a faith confession I want us to all say together. You can just repeat after me. Anybody get something out of this morning's message? I hope you did. God must be first. That's the whole rule. God must be first in our lives. Repeat after me. This is a faith confession. Say, God, you are first in my life. Let me see from your perspective. Help me recognize the importance of keeping you first. I choose to put you first in my finances, identity, relationships, schedule, and even in trouble. I pray that you would bless 2020 as I put you first. And I declare that no weapon formed against me will prosper in Jesus' name. Somebody give God praise and say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.